0: hello and welcome to the commander theory podcast i'm nick beatman and i'm here with my friend zach mack hello theorists so mono white has been getting a lot of powerful tools lately So we wanted to devote an episode to evaluating how the color has grown and what weaknesses still need to be addressed. Uh, This episode builds upon issues we've discussed before, so uh, I recommend checking out the guest spot I did on the Legendary Creature podcast earlier this year, as well as the interviews we did with the current and former representatives for white on the Council of Colors, uh, those being Chris Mooney and Ari Nia. Uh, But before we dig into today's topic, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month, uh, including ad free episodes. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump into this. I I think we should probably start with the mono white commanders um, because this is something I've highlighted in the past as a particular weakness of the color um so in our interview with arinia i I pulled up some data from edh rec that suggested that at the time white's staple cards were a lot more popular than reds but white's commanders were much less popular there were just a lot fewer people building mono white commanders than there were building mono red commanders and i think that uh i took that as a sign that just like the the designs for mono white commanders were not really compelling. Um, But since then, we've actually seen a fair bit of change in this department. So we've seen a surge of strong and interesting mono white commanders. And now half of white's top 10 commanders were printed for the first time in the last three years and four were printed in the last year. So definitely uh, a lot of powerful, interesting options that are getting a lot of love from the community in very recent history um but despite this indication that white commanders are getting better mono white still lags behind the other colors in popularity according to edh rec mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i've I've got a couple stats for you here um so the sum of decks for the top ten commanders uh i'm, I'm just gonna read these off mono white the top ten commanders com- if you combine all their decks you get eighteen thousand and eighty two decks For Mono Blue, the top 10 commanders total 24,491 decks. For Mono Black, you get 27,852 decks. Mono Red, 27,429 decks. And Mono Green, 21,421 decks. So White is in dead last place in terms of the sum of decks for the top 10 commanders. Even with all these new and, and popular and interesting options... Uh, it's still lagging behind. And of course, like, uh, the picture is mm, honestly a lot worse if you expand it out to the top 100 commanders. <laughs> so <laughs> if you if you take the top 100 mono-white commanders and sum the number of decks together on EDHREC, uh, you get 36,041. For mono-blue, that number is 48,903. For mono-black, it's 51,877. For mono Red it's 55,921. For mono Green it's 46,912. So whether you're looking at the top 10 or the top 100, white people just are not nearly as interested in building mono white as they are in building other monochromatic decks. Um so I I would definitely attribute that at least in part to the commanders, but as I said they're getting better. Um but really, it's, a, I think, a problem with the staples. Um, there's a couple main areas we tend to focus on when we talk about like sort of quantifying color power level. Um, but before I, I move yeah. on to that section of the episode, I just want to know your thoughts on the recent white commanders we've seen and sort of how mono-white ranks among the identities when it comes to the the strength of their commanders.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I think that something... Like, one of the big differences, especially when we talked about mono-white a few years ago and noted that mono-red commanders are, like, even though the color is severely underplayed, like, were a bigger proportion of decks. I think one of the reasons for that and why that hasn't changed yet is that white continues to be, like... Very, very specific. And so, like, basically starting back with War of the Spark, like, about that far, we've been getting, like, at least one good, like, mono-white commander every set to supplemental set or something like that. Um, I mean, we got God Eternal Eketra, Heliod Suncrowned, and then fast forward even further, you get, like, Adeline Resplendent Cathar, you get Light Paws Emperor's Voice uh, in... A new companion we got Giada Font of Hope which is like far and above there or or I think is becoming the most popular mono white angel commander at this point I think it's usurped um, Lyra oh, by I, a lot yeah, yes yeah. I am confirming that as I'm <laughs> saying this out loud so um, there's and, and been also a, don't
0: don't mm-hmm. neglect uh, Oswald Fiddlebender another oh, yes, very powerful very good white one. commander we saw recently
1: mm-hmm. yeah Oswald so there's been this kind of like Boon of new cool commanders that are doing something really cool, really interesting that the color hasn't either hasn't really done before, or hasn't done well enough to like build a deck around. Like take Heliod or or Giada as like the good example, even Lightpaws, honestly. Um, but I think the problem is still like how linear the strategies are. When you look at like the red commanders, you're getting a lot of options, even though you might be doing something. That's like pretty stereotypical. So like if you look at uh like goblins, like just within goblins because there's so many of them, like you could run a whole bunch of different lists. Um like Zadahedron Grinder does not require you to like you could pretty much run anything that targets in Zada and it's pretty good. It doesn't have yeah, to be. You like, don't
0: have to run a bunch of goblin lords or goblin mm-hmm. tribal stuff. It's just goblins just happen to be the token that comes at the best rate much of the time.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. And then the same kind of thing with like Magda, which is like, you don't, you, you probably have some dwarves, but you don't really need dwarves when you look at like the Magdalis and the same with Torbrand. like all of these commanders, like, give you a lot of options in what and how you're playing. Cause like Magda in particular is like more treasure tribal than dwarf tribal. Like there are a lot of dwarves in it. And especially the ones that like do stuff when they're tapped or um, there's the one that makes treasure, the vault robber, um, the dwarf rogue and stuff like that. So you do kind of play along, but the, you just have so many options. There's so much stuff to do. Um, Belden of the Third Path, even Ragavan, like doesn't ask anything of you and is like a surprisingly popular mono red commander. Mm-hmm. So all of these options are very open-ended compared to mono white, which is like very tight knit, very close. You want to do the thing and you want to do it like well and like don't get me wrong like a light pause will mess your day up right like Mm -hmm. that deck is very efficient very good same with giada you're gonna have a board really fast it's gonna be huge it's gonna do cool stuff but if that doesn't appeal to you then you're just not gonna build the deck and i think that's what it comes down to
0: yeah that makes total sense to me like a lot of these white decks are pretty narrow and uh also like very aggressive if you aren't interested in just like overwhelming your per- opponents very early in the game with a lot of, with a lot of power, then okay, maybe I'm not super interested in light pause or Adeline or Giada. Um, and if I'm, or, or I guess maybe even like God eternal Oketra, depending on how quick you can get her down. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then like some of these decks are just combo lists like Teshar yes. and Oswald and to an extent Sram uh, so if you're not really interested in doing combo, like uh, okay, that and and just with those two, I don't know, swipes of the sword, we've eliminated most of the top ten white commanders.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to say one one more thing too about this is that even within like those combo decks or decks that are kind of similar, or like you might think are pretty open ended amongst like the mono white decks, when you actually look like at the EDH rec data that we're getting they're They're not really like, if you look at Teshar, you're going to have an Esper Sentinel. You're going to have like Shimmer Murr, walking ballista. You're going to have a lot of these like burnished hearts. And then you're going to have other like mono white staples, Sky uh, Skycleave apparition, welcoming vampire, stuff like that. If you go to Oswald Fiddlebender, guess what you're going to find. You're going to still find mirror retriever and Esper Sentinel, etc, etc. So like the, the swath of cards like yes we have been getting more cards for white and more cards that are specific uh, that like help white but because we don't have the same variance that because we're finally getting these white staples you don't have even within like these archetypes that seem pretty modular like the resources or like the depth to spread out like you do in other monocolors So I think that's also really interesting to note.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you anything any last thoughts on mono white commanders? Okay, let's let's move on to some of these main categories of uh, of white cards and really what we're looking for um, in terms of improvement and, and new design space. So we'll start with interaction. So there has been a some good progress in mono white interaction in the past year or so um skyclave apparition i guess it's like almost two years at this point but fateful absence was last year that's on track to become a format staple it's in nine thousand decks on edh rec currently
1: yeah hasn't Um, even been a year
0: yeah uh contraband livestock i think is a great card but uh hasn't seen very much adoption at all it's still less than one thousand decks on edh rec I don't think people like giving away 4 fours, so understandable. <laughs> um, but uh, Grand Crescendo is like the best answer to board wipes we've seen since Flawless Maneuver. Um, even though it was just recently printed in the Nuka Penna Commander decks, I wouldn't be surprised if it hit 10k decks within the first year of its release. Um, Grand Crescendo being X white-white creatures you control, well, First make X 11 tokens and then creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. Um, so if you just play it at the base mode for white, white, it's extremely efficient answer to board wipes and way to, uh, keep all your guys alive. And then it also have the, has the token mo- mode attached. So great card. And I think it's, a. I, I really like this vein of white interacting with board wipes that have, you know, traditionally caused so much trouble for him. Um, is there any other like white pieces of interaction you really want to call out that we've seen recently? I guess you could argue like a ganjo seat of the empire.
1: Yeah. A ganjo. I was trying to like go over in my head as you're saying that, like, what have I been playing with? And it's mostly what you've been saying. We need more like generous gifts. You know, we need more like flash creatures, which might be a, spoiler for later in the episode um just like more i know like they don't want to print another mother of runes and things like that but like more cheap interaction at some level that that would be like the best and of course we just a constant refrain that we're always saying is like where's the other disenchant (laughs) like Mm -hmm. can we can we have more please (laughs) any of them any maybe like a modal disenchant like some of the other green cards that we're getting or creature perhaps a three mana one that etbs and disenchants (laughs) you know like that would be pretty pretty great but for the most part it's it's uh everything that you've been saying
0: yeah i i will mention that like we have um we have seen some good board wipes printed very recently Mm -hmm. Uh, by invitation only is kind of an innovative one that does uh, extra work in token decks. And then farewell has been extremely powerful. Um, but again, these are things that have kind of always been in white's wheelhouse, the ability to, to wipe the board of a lot of different card types. Um, so it's, I wouldn't say this is even though like they're notable and they're powerful. Um, it's definitely not really what we're looking for in terms of like improving mono white because they don't. Yeah. It's not that much of a value add compared to like format staples like austere command or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I will say uh, I've played sigiri's shelter um, mm-hmm. a lot actually, just and that's mostly because it's the MDFC land, um, but it does what it says. <laughs> You're like <laughs> uh, give protection to a creature instant, or you can play it as a land. Um. So that's the other. That was the main piece of removal I was forgetting about. Um, Cathar Commando. That's another one too. So yes. yeah, those that's two in point. particular. But yeah, for the most part, they're like weirdly hesitant to like expand White's interaction suite. I don't know. They like maybe they still think it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: I'm hoping that it's just a matter of like, it's hard to fit, uh, these staples into, uh, every set. Yeah. Like getting faithful absence and contraband livestock in like, you know, a seven month period or something is like, okay, that's pretty good. Um, it's, I think they're, they are limited by the pace of set releases. Yeah. Um, but it is certainly promising that we're seeing more expansion in this area. Um, I think it's, it's still going to take a little time before they are really at a critical mass of like, okay, I guarantee that I'm going to be able to have early game creature removal in my mono white deck.
1: hmm Yeah. So... Um- Let's keep on moving, I guess. Do you want to get to uh, a thing that we've been very critical of Mono White about, which is resource generation? Sure. Um, So we're going to sort of split this into two
0: halves. Um, There is, of course, the card draw, which has historically been a problem in white, and then ramp. So Mono White card draw has been doing relatively good. Um, Esper Sentinel has jumped up to the number seven most played white card in, in just one year. Uh, Smuggler's Share, or rather, most played car- white card in mono white decks. Um, Smuggler's Share is in 13,000 decks within months of its release in the new Copana Commander decks. Archivist of Ogma is in uh, 14,000 decks within months of its release in Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. So, this is pretty promising showing for white designs aimed at making up for the disparity in quality card draw. Um, But I think it's just going to take a lot of time to reach a critical mass. Similar to what I was saying about removal, um, you're going to need a lot of Esper Sentinels to guarantee that you're getting card flow every single game and you're not uh, ending up in top deck mode. And any thoughts about sort of these, like um, this vein of design we've been seeing, which is really sort of like, focused on what your opponent is doing just like a sort of a a little for you a little for me kind of thing
1: no i think that's great honestly i think that the um like especially like something like archivist of agma where like you don't really have to be in the way of your opponents like they're like all right fetch and you go archivist of agma yeah keep doing what you're doing like that is great because it's not annoying you know like your opponent doesn't have to stop what they're doing. They can be like, oh, okay, I'll keep searching, you know. Um and because it's self-contained, because it's something that like you are doing and a benefit you're getting, um, I I think that it's generally accepted and fun, and you're not really gonna draw the same kind of ire that like a heuristic study like has in the past. So I I'm a fan of these. I have something I'll say at the end of the episode that I could repeat throughout all these sections. <laughs> uh, I'm going to wait till then to to say it, but, um, yeah, like the smuggler shares and the, um, what's his name? the the guy gets you a land or he gets you a dragon keeper, of the accord, like that kind of stuff. Like I think is, is great. And I think it's a good place to put this kind of stuff. And, um, you really can get ahead of a lot of people doing it like i know technically it's a catch-up mechanic but white was always at its best like with um oh what's that three minute instant where if you have less life you gain six life and if you have less creatures you get three one ones Do you remember oh. what that was called it was uh, it's not
0: even the odds it's timely
1: reinforcement yeah timely reinforcement so there is that card was played in a lot of standard and at the time some modern decks it's Obviously been pushed out of the format since then. But um because it was like, Oh, I played a shock land, I'm at eighteen and you're at twenty, so I'll gain six life. <laughs> like like that is when white has always been at its best. Uh is the a little for you, a little for me. Actually, this helps me a lot more than it helps you. Um, so if they keep pushing into that design, I think it'll be fine and I think I'll be pretty happy with it. Um i'm yeah that's where i'll stop right now we should keep on moving
0: okay uh i want to shift to uh, a slightly different vein of like card draw card advantage um that we've seen a little bit of development in and this is sort of like more archetype specific stuff um so i'm thinking of like welcoming vampire which is sort of a a little bit of a twist on um mentor of the meek Uh, that has been a very successful, possibly the most successful example of archetype specific card draw in white printed in the last few years seeing adoption in over 23,000 decks since it was printed in Crimson Vow Um, and then there's been some like kind of similar adjacent things like uh, Rumor Gatherer um, which was in Nukapenna and that allows you to scry the first time, draw a card the second time a creature enters and scry third and onward Um, so another way to potentially get card advantage if you're committing a lot of creatures to the board so arguably these cards are sort of like specific to like weenie archetypes hate bear archetypes token archetypes Um, but I'll mention something now that I'm going to come back to later Uh, a lot of these new powerful white cards that we've been seeing have been stapled or, or the effects have been stapled onto creature bodies so like we mentioned, Esper Sentinel, like, uh, Archivist of Ogma. Um, we're also going to talk about Deep, you know, Deep Gnome Terramancer in a little bit. Um, it seems like these cards that like Welcoming Vampire or Rumor Gatherer that were um, maybe more narrow in the past are becoming more broadly useful as white concentrates so much of its power into tiny little dorks. I, I think that's something to keep in mind is just that these cards like went welcoming vampire mentor the meek that we've traditionally thought of in a more narrow way are becoming more broadly useful and we're going to have to reevaluate weenie like weenie adjacent effects weenie synergistic effects as time goes on uh, another sort of archetype specific uh, card draw effect i want to talk about is secret rendezvous so Uh, This is one white-white for a sorcery. Uh, You and target opponent each draw three cards. We saw a little bit of a spin on this um, in Baldur's Gate uh, with... Oh, God. Not going to remember that card name. But (laughs) they've been playing in this space a little bit. And although it's mostly been adopted into like group hug and politics lists, if you look at the EDH rec page and sort of see what cards are associated with it, what commanders are associated with it, um they I, I think these could be promising with a little tweak, um, but they're not nearly as important to the health of the of mono white identity as like Esper Sentinel and company. And I'd much rather see more of these like sort of not not quite taxing, but like weenies that care about what your opponent that give you cards based on what your opponents are doing than things that like just look abysmal once you get down to one v
1: one. I mean, I know the one, the deal which I think is the card you're talking about from Father yes, State. Right, that's right. That one is terrible <laughs> in one v one. Like, like, oh man, that's like a two for one for your. Like, oh no, because you're down a card. No, no, it's a t- it's a two, it's for, a one two for one for your opponent. Yeah, it yeah. Is. Okay, yeah, because you're down. But like, it card.
0: you're it for you, it's neutral, and your opponent's up a card.
1: Yeah. Oops. so yeah and secret rendezvous is pretty similar you're like all right opponent see you there (laughs) and then (laughs) you draw the card so i i kind of think that if that's what it takes to get white like a draw three or something like that then that's fine like it feels very different from all the other colors and i think we have seen because there's the other oh gosh was it in Baldur's Gate 2 where we had the other Your temple
0: is under attack
1: yeah where that was a modal like that's yeah your temple is under attack uh, that was great because it's either like we draw to or my things are indestructible I, I would love to see more stuff like that because I like both of those modes early in the game you're like all right player who's behind or player who I want to help like here we go Later in the game during 1v1, it's not a dead card. So obviously, there is room for this kind of design. And there's a lot of things this could have been. Like, this this could be the disenchant, you know, like like three mana blow something up or three mana we both draw some. Like, would be an incredibly great card for white to have. So,
0: yeah, it is nice that they are sort of like tucking the indestructible granting into sort of like other effects, like with mm-hmm. the modal option on um your temple is under attack or sort of like onto the token generation spell with grand crescendo just having it be a little bonus for a card that's more generally useful um i i think is great because it is terrible if you have like your flawless maneuver and your i don't know uh, indomitable will or no that's not the right one yeah I think you I know, you it know what i'm remember. talking about yeah mm-hmm. um just all these different uh indestructible granting effects and then you run up a, against an opponent who like you know isn't running board wipes or you know it's just a bunch of counter spells or something uh, i would love for these things that are situational situationally very powerful in white to not be dead cards half the time
1: yeah <laughs> yeah no i i agree and i think that is one of the the things about them is like when the staples of white are always the like pretty proactive things. Um, and the reactive ones are like the funny things. And those are the things that like people tell stories about, you know, they're like, and then I ink shielded and I lost or, you Mm -hmm. know, or then they ink shielded and I lost or But, um, what's going to pull white up out of the slump is more proactive stuff, not more like wait to see what my opponent does stuff yeah it's never gonna be
0: blue it's never gonna have all the answers and draw more cards so it gets more answers like that's Mm -hmm. never gonna happen
1: yeah and kind of uh on this note before we go to the next section i think something that white should get that they really should not be shying away from at this point is like scry like i think just every other white card should scry <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. like if they print a staple in white or a creature or something like that a spell like just have it scry just a little bit because what's going to happen is like those few like draw spells that they've been printing and those cards that help white like come back from behind and those creatures that etb and draw a card and etc cetera, etc cetera, um when you add a bunch of scry into the mix like those few draws become a lot more powerful so that that is something that i would like to see like on white creatures more like an ETB scry one do something or like a two mana white spell that like gives like your team hexproof and like you scry two or three or you know like something like that would be like very very helpful because white at this point and this this is one of the things I I'm going to say Again, later in the episode, what well, doesn't really need that many more staples printed. It just needs them printed again. Like we don't need another really strong smothering tithe. We just need them to get more into circulation. You know, we don't we don't need more versions of Smuggler's Stash. Just keep printing Smuggler's Stash and and like give them to people so they can play with them. You know, uh, I I'd, I'd say we we still need
0: them like. Uh, you know, until we have, uh, you know, at least ten really good white ramp cards, I'm I'll keep asking for them. But I do agree that mm. like we need to support the cards once they get released.
1: Yeah, because it just kind of turns into like white is the the color for like the the wealthy Magic player, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which which feels kind of bad. You know, when like I want to play mono white and all my staples are ten plus dollars, then yep. It's not a not a good place to be, in my opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Although you know, if they do keep printing new versions of these things, eventually it will have. You know, once we have the luxury of choice, then That's the true. price for all of them will go down because, like, m- most. I mean, a lot of board wipes just aren't that expensive. Like a Wrath of God these days, it's just a couple bucks. Because you really, I mean, you don't have to buy a Wrath of God if you don't need to. You've got a dozen other options that are just about equally good. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we get to that, like density of effects for, you know, all of these categories we've been talking about, um, interaction, resource generation, et cetera, then the individual cards won't matter as much. And like we could might be able to expect the price to go down on some of them at least.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is that, that is the hope. I, I, I am not super, uh, optimistic, just based on what like mono green staples have done. Like, like Nix Bloom Ancient didn't really tank the price on mana reflection and stuff like that. You know, like. But if you add ten Nix Bloom, yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> probably hopefully would. Yeah, I would. I would hope that that would have an effect. So I just know how soon we're getting these cards, and we're we're gonna get like what like. 30 something commander decks a year at this point or like 20 something <laughs> yeah. so I, I feel like that's an easier place to get copies into people's hands so sure at this point but i I do agree like white's still and this that's a good segue into the next section white is still lacking things and we still do need to see some some progress in so do you want to kind of move into this next topic
0: well yeah i just want to sort of Touch on the other half of the resource generation, which is of course mm. um mana. So as oh, you mentioned, yeah, yeah, yeah. smothering tithe, uh that's I mean, it's it's certainly a powerful card. We've certainly seen a lot of it in the community. Um, and it is in fact the third most popular card or white card in mono white decks on EDH rec. Um Archaum answers map is in forty thousand decks on EDH rec. Keeper of the Accord is in thirty eight thousand decks on EDH rec monologue tax sees play in 20,000 decks even loyal warhound uh cracked 15,000 decks within a year of its release deep known Terramancer, which just got released in the clb yeah. party time precon is in 8300 decks on edh rec and that's just i mean it's only been a couple months um so like the white ramp we've seen these last few years appears to have been really successful in terms of its adoption rate and how much the community is responding to it. I would say like, I just hope wizards kind of keeps it rolling. Cause it seems like this has been very effective and very well loved by the community.
1: Yeah. I, I don't really have much more to add to that. Just like our game answers map is great. Everyone lost their mind because it is amazing. Like my living type, obviously there's so much you can do with it, with treasure, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, keep this coming. Uh, love seeing all this i hope white does get more more treasure and stuff than, than they said because uh it really needs it and it really yeah. makes the color a lot more fun
0: yeah and the stuff that's the the ramp that's not tied to your opponents having more lands than you especially is really promising just warms my heart deep gnome terromancer you know doesn't give a crap if you're the person with the most lands <laughs> similarly like monotog, monologue monologue tax smothering tithe like uh, not having to well all of those very attractive um, it is nice that a lot of the white ramp we've been seeing doesn't kind of like isn't redundant in multiples like if you have if you're one land behind your opponents and you've got a loyal warhound and a keeper or a uh, knight of the white orchid then only one of them is going to work unless your opponent plays more ramp cards. Mm-hmm. So not having them step on each other's toes in the case of like Deep Gnome Terramancer and some of these other cards is fantastic. And I really would love to see more exploration of that part of the design space mm-hmm. rather than, you know, Night of the White Orchids number three through 10.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause we got the loyal Warhound and it was like, okay, this is cool. But like, kind of the same same card a little bit worse even (laughs) so not good when you draw both of them yeah yeah it'd be nice to have things that are additive you know Mm -hmm. seems to be the problem as as everyone listening has heard us say multiple times at this point
0: yep uh all right let's move on to the next category this is uh mono white wind conditions so i would say this is the one area where we haven't seen much progress recently i'm not currently extremely hopeful about this like a will was printed i mean years ago at this point and since then we haven't seen any kind of like game ending effect uh or at least in the main deck cards that's on the same level um that being said we have seen some like big swings attempting to address this issue from the command zone. Like some of these new commanders that have broken into the top 10 are incredibly powerful aggro commanders like Mm. Adeline kicks ass light pause can just end you very early in the game. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Like turn four (laughs) or someone's (laughs) dead. Yeah.
0: Uh, Giada also like very powerful. The amount of like count, the cumulative counters that she provides is pretty crazy. Um, and even like on a non-aggressive side, we've we've seen like Oswald offering like a really powerful combo engine uh, that can consistently win the game if left alone for a couple turns. So, um, I mean, it's cool that they are designing commanders that are capable of winning the game in mono-white, but I really do want to see more ways for older commanders to win. And so I would like to see more a Chrome as well type cards, more just like overrun effects. Um, cause currently they just are not doing enough. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was really happy. So a year ago when we got like Nick Paragon, which I've I yet to use cause I haven't really made a white life gain deck since then, but it's the four, six enchantment creature for six mana four white, white. And it's whenever you gain life, you may put that many plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. Do this once a turn. But like you gain five, you put five counters on all your guys. You don't really need to do too much after that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And then there's the other one from, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was, um, it was the one where like creatures with counters are four, four angels with flying. I can't remember the name of that card.
0: Oh, I think it's, like, Sigarda.
1: Yeah, it's, oh, Sigarda something. Splendor?
0: Perhaps? Uh no, no, no. It's Sigarda Summons.
1: Yes, yeah, Sigarda. S- Splendor is the card draw one. I remember this now. Oh, that's okay. right. Um. So, yeah, Sigarda Summons, like, I was pretty excited about that, too, because it, for the most part, uh, looks like a, like, overrun in white, and it just really, I mean, it's, it's picked up... So some adoption but really not a lot and i think what really it is is like decks that are focusing on plus one plus one counters aren't they, they don't need this really or the, it's that's the their whole shtick is that doing. their
0: guys are are huge
1: yeah so, so it's you don't just need a-
0: the extra big huge
1: yeah, it's just a six mana enchantment that doesn't do anything if like your board gets wrath or whatever. So yeah, I think that's I mean, it kind it will of why get your guys
0: flying. That is, that is a bonus,
1: mm-hmm. which is what I thought it was. I, I like to me this looked like a white overrun, but I uh, was wrong. We we get the myriad enchantment recently, but that's still not quite like a game ender. <laughs> you know, it's so. it's it's
0: closer than many other things we've seen but it doesn't work for all types of decks and it doesn't doesn't play super well with like the emphasis on white small dudes yeah like, getting two more you know deep gnome terramancers isn't uh incredibly frightening
1: yeah it is good when you have um
0: etb the, guys like, yeah selfless E-T-B spirit guy. or something
1: and, and things that trigger on ETB, or, sorry, like not the spirit, skyclave apparition. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Calculating vibration. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Legion Loyalty is the card I'm talking about, which is an eight mana enchantment. Creatures you control have myriad. Um. I mean, it's great. It's great. It's a good good card, but uh, it's not just straight up in the game like a lot of uh a a lot of the cards we're trying to reference are. <laughs> so, oops. But yeah, that's something that white can work on. I think one of the things though, um that is interesting about this is that, uh, the, you don't necessarily need game enders when there aren't that many wraths happening. And it seems like people like when we were at Bellevue just weren't running as many wraths and stuff like that. And, uh, I think Kirsten Gregory just released an art. It's kind of two, mo- right?
0: two months ago. She posted it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, so she posted basically exactly what we just were talking about that, uh, wraths are not as prevalent in a lot of people's decks and you I, i can link to that article too um because it was it's pretty good and uh, she makes a lot of good points as, as she normally does and i think a byproduct of that is that these like plus one plus one counter decks and these token decks like don't feel like they need to run a game ender because like they can go three, four, five turns in a row without anyone like messing with their stuff in too big of a way. You know, like Cather's Crusade lives two or three turns. You probably can kill people after that. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be a byproduct of the like white isn't getting win conditions is because when like wizards employees and other people are playing these games, like they don't really or they haven't really been needing them which is kind of a weird thing to to notice actually mm-hmm. so yeah we'll see what happens I would argue that
0: like um, it's it's true that like win conditions are maybe less important if you are able to keep your guys around but I do think it is important to just have that like surprise factor of like I'm dropping this mm. and you know just being able to kill your opponents in a way that is not easy to anticipate um because like some number of the or like to some extent like the fact that we don't see board wipes as much might also be like the fact that oh it's possible it's in their hand but they're just not casting it because this board state doesn't look threatening and Mm -hmm. so one way around those kinds of situations is like Okay, I'm gonna play my acroma's will, and now my board state is incredibly threatening and I'll kill you before you can cast your board wipe. Um, yeah. Uh, but do you wanna sort of move on to our, our last little wrap-up section here? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so my I think like we're we've been evaluating white on a lot of different axes and in a lot of different areas of design. And I think the metric we need to use to figure out if wizards has been successful in rehabilitating white is whether it's possible to just play like a mono white good stuff deck if you can have a mono white deck that's kind of like commander agnostic that doesn't really use the card in its command zone and be able to win you know a fair proportion of games 25 percent or so then Wizards will be successful because I think it's you definitely can do that with a lot of the other mo- monocolor identities like mono green has enough versions of its most Im- powerful most important effects that you can really just go okay I can guarantee that in the early game I'm going to be ramping uh, maybe I'll play some haymakers like an Avenger of Zendikar or Rampaging Baylots, and then in the late game I'll possibly go for like some big overrun effect and just knock everyone out who's still standing um that's something that green's been able to do for a long time and and mono green decks are pretty successful as a result um you know mono blue decks have many options to control the board refill their hand um well maybe not control the board but control the stack certainly refill their hand um and then potentially combo out they have a lot of options to do all of those things so really i want to see white in a place where it's most important, well, where it has a game plan and the most important pieces for that game plan uh are have been we've seen enough versions that there's a critical mass of all of them and you can make it happen every game. Um so just like looking at the cards that have been pre- printed recently and what white cards are are most commonly played in these mono white decks what does mono white good stuff look like? What, what do you think it looks like right now? And do you think it's good enough?
1: That's a, yeah, that second question is very important. Um, I think mono white, like good stuff, uh, looks like a lot of like interaction. You got those, those few, uh, interaction spells, removal spells, whatnot. Um, like maybe an Aven mind sensor, um, some some a few like the relevant or more relevant hate bears that come up in a thing. Your mother of runes, Drannith magistrates, and stuff like that. Um, on top of a lot of the white mana spells, so your Verge rangers, your Archaeomancers maps, your uh, Deep gnome terramancers, et cetera, et cetera, um, and I think like what you're doing is generating value off of these creatures um, either through just an Esper Sentinel being an Esper Sentinel or like a teleportation circle or um, some way to like get them back from the graveyard. So uh, Ascend from Avernus is like a very good example of a card that we've gotten recently that like works really well with a lot of these white staples because they're all three or less small creatures like three mana value or less so um i think that and then you kind of just end up winning by like having a a board <laughs> like <laughs> and either like cathars crusade or like making tokens with like an adeline or something like that um so like once like you're kind of going toe to toe with people casting like powerful mid range spells and then eventually you kind of just someone makes a bad attack, you punish them for it, the table punishes them. Like it's kind of about that kind of like tit for tat interaction, like playing well, uh, because you don't have an overrun or something like that to really like get you there, you know? Like Mm -hmm. you might have chump blockers for a long time because of your keeper of the accord or something like that. But like a Ophiomancer is a really powerful black card because you can sack the snake you're getting every turn where like Keeper of the Accord is a very powerful white card, but like you can't leverage those resources in the same way that other colors can. You can't really convert them into value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think really what you're doing is like you're getting the faced value of a lot of these really strong cards and and the cards are strong. Like Sun Titan hasn't gotten less strong. (laughs) since it's been printed it's gotten even more strong like we've gotten like solitude and um we have like recruiter of the guard can get like some really really powerful stuff and your Mangaras draw you cards like we we have a lot of just good white spells so it's really like putting them together i think works pretty well and then you kind of have to use uh like, the really good, like, we just... What was that one flicker card we got? The Lazel's Acrobatics mm-hmm. and stuff like that to, like, really push everything over the edge. So, it's really just about, like, card quality. So, I would assume that, like, a mono-white good stuff deck probably costs, like, a $1,000 at this point or something <laughs> like that. Um And uh, is probably not that bad to play against. You're probably like it's probably a lot more fun than just a generic non-tolerant mono blue good stuff deck, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that like
0: mono white decks are in an interesting place. I think that 10 years ago, mono white decks were a lot more controlling because that's kind of the only thing they had going for them yeah. is <laughs> the fact that you had a million board wipes. Um, but these days, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like so much of the power of these new white cards are stapled to creatures. And so it's, it, it really seems like if you want to play with the new hotness, if you want to play with your Esper Sentinel, if you want to play with your your Deep Gnome Terramancer, your Archivist of Ogma, uh, you're not going to be able to slot those into like the classic tons of board wipes dot deck list as as you had been in the past. So it seems like the new white good stuff is much more a weenie based deck. It's sort of like borrowing from old hate bear strategies. And I don't it's tough to see like what you're supposed to do with all of these guys you're clogging the board with. Like, yeah. I, I like these cards, um, but they, you can't translate them into a win very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have a, a crater hoof to make your, your one, one Esper Sentinel into like a real threat. So I think that's just an area we need to work on. Um. I yeah. like the gameplay of just like okay I, I can be proactive I can play a bunch of guys um, I can in in certain circumstances I can draw cards and get more mana but I don't really know what I'm spending that mana on and I don't really see how I'm winning the game I think that's still a challenge
1: yeah um, I think that is the the challenge that mono white has because unless like you said you're doing something very very specific you're comboing your light Paws, your you're making a huge board out of nowhere with King Darien, like you you kind of just have some donks, some little guys. And that's it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like if if you're not doing something very specific, you're not really doing much of anything at all in Mono White. Like you can't really build engines like other decks do. So uh yeah, it's an interesting place.
0: Yeah. Like like one thing I do want to talk about, like we you mentioned earlier How white doesn't well, white like can't sacrifice the little dudes it makes for value. And and I think that's a a bigger problem with white is that it doesn't have many avenues for like synergies within the color. Um like if you combine it with black, then it's like, oh, I'm making a ton of tokens with white, I'm sacrificing them to my attrition or something in black. Uh that's that's great synergy. Or you know, if you combine it with like even red, like I'm I'm, or, or like, you know, I'm discarding things to my tormenting voice and I'm getting them back with my Ascend from Avernus or Storm of Souls or something similar. But white internal synergy is there's not too many avenues for it. Like we haven't gotten enough of the blink effects to really unlock the power of these new ETB creatures it's getting. Um, the one like good opportunity for synergy I see is an indestructible granting effects and board wipes. Um, so it has, at, at this point, it's got a ton of both and first, you know, approximately seven mana, you get to blow up everything except your creatures. Um, and it's it's not quite an overrun because you're still hitting with your 2-2 Archivist of Ogma. But it's a, a windfall in terms of card advantage and it does allow you to get in a bunch of damage that might otherwise have been blocked by a board stall. Uh, the only issue is that like l- if you don't draw the indestructible granting effect that Wrath of God is going to be pretty uncomfortable in your heavy creature white deck.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to feel kind of out of place. I honestly think that it's like correct to like have some rats even in a creature deck because sometimes people go over your head too. But if you have like a bunch of them and you're sitting there with like the best board, then you just basically have like four duds or something in your hand, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that can feel pretty bad. But there, like you said, there is synergy to be had like invitation only or by invitation only is like a great example of that where. Like you have this wrath that is really good in token decks, and uh, that that's cool. That's like awesome. So I, I wonder what other space uh, exists maybe what we here.
0: need. Maybe what we need is more like retribution of the meek uh, or mm-hmm. citywide bust type effects, because mm-hmm. these new powerful cards are all very small in terms of their power and toughness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty pretty good like wiping the board and still having like a deep gnome terramancer out to like possibly get you more lands is like that's a pretty good place to be (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, all right well i think that's uh really the end of our check-in what would you say overall are your feelings about the current place the, the, the place that white is currently in and uh your your feelings for the future of the color
1: um, So I think that where we're at, and I'm going to make this as short as possible. Um, I think that where we're at with white is actually pretty good. I think that there are a lot of really important strides that have been made. Uh, and I think there've been a lot of really cool cards and like fun cards and fun ways around the like tax like being in your face of your opponent every time they try to do something. Mm-hmm. So all of these strides that white has made have been really good and really fun and really cool. I'm glad they're still exploring and expanding and testing out different, uh, secret rendezvous and whatnot. Um, but I don't think we're going to get any of what we're talking about very soon, either because they have to work like this is the first time we've seen all of this stuff. And this was like two years or more in the works for, a lot of these cards that we're talking about. So in another two years, maybe we'll start getting the things we're mentioning now. After they realize like what the everything looks like, what pe- normal play groups are playing with, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I really do think that we're going to continue to get like some pretty linear designs in regards to like mono white commanders, and they'll be good. I think we're going to get more light paws in like the more near future. But um more giatas and stuff like that. But um I think it's gonna be a while before they can kind of figure out like how all of this mono white stuff fits in with like the rest of the color pie and where the colour pie, like the modern color pie is, is sitting and what that means for the color overall. Cause I I would assume that when they started making all these cards, they weren't thinking about what does a monocolor deck do or look like. And I'm hoping that now that there's a casual play design and people are being pretty um, vocal about like what they're seeing, that they might be starting to talk about that kind of stuff. So that's my hopes for the future. Uh, I think where we're at is a good place and I, I don't think it's the best place, but, you know, there's still magic cards being made. So we'll see what happens. Yeah,
0: my my personal feelings, like I think that we are on track in a lot of areas. I think if they just if some of these current trends continue, then I think some of the major problems in mono white are going to be solved. You know, within the next maybe within the next couple of years, maybe it it is a slow pace of releases. Like we're getting maybe maybe like two ish uh really relevant cards for mono white per set, something like that. Um. So it'll take a while to to build up the 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 suite of cards and, and tools for mono white. Um the only thing I'm super worried about is just is win conditions. Um like I think that all these commanders, these mono white commanders that like are able to win the game, that's cool, but it's a band aid. Like mm-hmm. if you're random janky white deck if you're not able to win unless you're running like you know the five most recent mono white commanders then there's a problem with the color
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah. Uh, so that's the one thing I'm going to be most interested in seeing how Wizards tackles that if it's something they really expand upon in the future but everything else seems like it's it's moving forward in a good
1: way yeah no i I agree, so yeah, interesting. It's really, really crazy to like look at now and look at like what we've been playing with with our friends, what we saw in public with like Bellevue and what we're gonna continue to see compared to like listening to that episode that we released as a rerun like some months back now, and like seeing what we were talking about, like looking at like what Chris Mooney was talking about when they were on the podcast, like it's it's really really cool to see the evolution of everything over time and i'm hoping that we continue to see that you know Uh
0: Uh, well that's the end of our episode i want to give a brief thank you to our patreon patrons they are gustav addison rick Raphael, kyle laser charlotte the white clays hannah james logan roger bryce dylan benjamin jamie matthew kyle brandon kevin Jeremy, russell Jillian, john michael troy roxanne charles daniel andrew jason paul johan jonathan christian jim andrew vasilios logan frugger carl oscar danny b mifflin jean-francois drew recta nick bj and cameron thank you all for supporting the show and if you're not currently a patreon patron but would like to become one please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory thanks for listening you can reach out to me on twitter i'm at commander theory
1: and on twitter i am at fat bartleby
0: you can also email us at commandertheory@gmail.com. At Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check them out on SoundCloud.
1: And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk pop punk band called the Have Nots. all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, You can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.